Hi there, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. When deciding to do this podcast, I really wanted to create something that could give people real tools on how to execute on certain things. So often we talk about things on such a macro scale that yes, leaves people inspired, but with no real idea on what the steps are to make something in their own life happen. I challenge and encourage and probe my amazing guests to get granular and specific on their strategies, their mindset, their tactics, and their methodologies so that you can learn practical, actionable steps to best optimize your confidence, career, health, and wealth. What's up, everybody, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. Today, I am thrilled to have Jennifer Story join us. Jennifer is the co-founder and designer of Unknown Union, a fashion house which bridges the worlds of art, culture, and literature, and she's going to tell us all about that. And Jennifer's how-to is how to go from living the life that you were given to living the life that inspires you, something that I know I struggled with from early on in my days and a lot of other people trying to find their path. So we are thrilled to have you, Jennifer. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you all today. Very good. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, your history, a little bit of your bio, and you know, also a little bit about Unknown Union. Sure. So um, one thing kind of about me that differs from probably most fashion designers is I didn't start in the world of fashion. So I actually started my career as a corporate attorney. I came from a family of attorneys. So it was somewhat, we joke, a family curse. Um, my mother was an attorney. My father was an art dealer. We grew up writing contracts, I think, before I can even remember negotiating bedtimes or anything we wanted to do over the summer. So doing law was really ingrained kind of in who I was. Um, And when I went to college, I majored in French and I had a minor in history and then ended up switching those and doing a major in history and a minor in French and just realized there wasn't much I could do with that. And so I ended up in law school as a default. It was something that I was kind of comfortable with, and it was kind of a three-year deferment from reality and student loans. Um, So I went through law school, came out, and typically, you know, I think anybody going to sort of college or um, a program where they've invested a lot of money in it, that seems to be the path, right? At that point that you make the decision, mm-hmm. you really commit to that as your lifestyle, or at least it seems so. So I got out of law school, had an insurmountable amount of debt from law school, and went like every other associate to your standard law firm. Practiced there for a number of years, and then through my trajectory, actually ended up as in-house counsel for GoDaddy. At the time that I left there, I was doing international law and regulatory compliance as well as marketing and advertising law. So we moved into about 27 markets in two and a half years. So I was managing all the legal compliance for that and then managing about 55 markets for legal compliance around the world. So very hectic lifestyle, definitely nonstop and working around the clock. Um, and, you know, I think that it happened probably for me around the time of my father's death as I started to think about life from the perspective of death, right? If we get to the end of our days, what do we want to have accomplished and how do we want to have lived our lives? And while I had this position that was envious for a lot of attorneys, you know, a lot of people strive to be in house counsel, a lot of people strive to be in those high positions, it just didn't seem to be a life 
purpose. And that's when both myself and my brother, who's also an attorney, he was in-house counsel in New York um, for a Fortune 500 company. We decided to leave our careers and start out on this new venture, which is Unknown Union. Um, okay, there's definitely a lot there to unpack. And I had some very similar journeys to myself. So talk to us about what you were feeling when you, it sounds like you were being very successful and probably getting all kinds of accolades and adoration for the work that you were doing and being, you know, a lawyer. Um, what work can you to describe like some of the moments, Jennifer, where you're like, this just isn't, you know, what I want to be, what I want to be doing, because success can be confusing if we're like, gosh, I'm getting money, promotions, you know, people telling me I'm great at this. And I think it takes a lot of guts to be like, yeah, but I don't care. It's not what I want to be doing. Yeah, hundred percent. And for me, I don't know if that's similar for everybody, but for me, I can't say it was one uh, cataclysmic like thought that came to my head where I just decided to jump off a cliff. There was a jump off the cliffs moment, but even from earlier in my career, I remember being a associate at a law firm and looking at my partner's who were ahead of me and that was supposed to be what you strived for was that partnership track yeah. and to become a partner at the law firm and it felt like a black hole <laughs> like just looking at that existence to me I was like oh I don't know if I want your life and it wasn't overly that they didn't enjoy what they do or that they weren't fulfilled but it just didn't have enough um, I think passion in it for me it didn't have enough interaction with people um you know, from a lawyer perspective, too, even if you're doing corporate law and negotiating, there's still an element of um, conflict that's constantly in your work all of the time. Um, and it seemed very unnatural, I think, to who I was as a person. But at that time, I was an associate young attorney with a lot of debt, newly married, and I just didn't know any other way. It was that's what you got to do to pay off the loans to get through. It's a decision you made. So now you're just kind of stuck with it. And I think I had a number of those. So I started to shift my career. So I went into areas of law and started working my way into things that I thought maybe I'd be more interested in. If there wasn't a mentor who could teach me, I would get on classes and learn myself about those different areas of law so that I could start taking on those aspects of expertise. And that's actually what allowed me to go in-house and catapult up in some of the various areas that I did. Yeah. When I got there, it just still didn't feel, it still felt like somebody else's idea of success. The money was there. Um, the accolades and the titles were there, but the fulfillment wasn't. So I'm a mom. I have kids. There was definitely moments where I felt like I, even when I was at home, I was stuck in front of a laptop. I wasn't really present even when I was present and I was working around the clock. So I don't know if you ever achieve work-life balance, but I for sure had the complete opposite of that doing what yeah. I was doing as well. And I think those, those things sort of built up. And then there came that moment. And I would say it's when I really started to analyze life that I was just like, this is enough. I don't want to continue living my days like this, even if it means I don't make the same amount of money or don't live in as big of a house or don't drive as many cars. Um, and I don't regret that decision. So I do think that you have that. Uh, I referenced Joseph Campbell and his hero's journey, but you do have that call to action, that moment where you're just like, this isn't how I want to spend every single day. And that you do have to take a leap, right? Because it is a leap of faith. You don't always know that there's going to be a ground below you. 
Yeah, your story reminds me of all of the contradicting advice that we receive all the time of, you know, when you make a commitment, stick to it. But also, you know, when like you have to know when when you're in something for the wrong reasons and it's not fulfilling you. People's advice of plan for tomorrow, but live for today. And when I think about it, Jennifer, you know, all of these things are true and it depends on what era that we're in. It depends on what our, you know, priorities are as people. And I think that life is just this dance around this gray line of figuring those things out, right? Because we even think of the word failure and what that means. And I feel like I've actually earlier today came up with this definition of, you know, failure is failure to honor yourself. That's the only kind of failure that anybody needs to be concerned about. Like we do things all the time because we committed to them, like marriage, right? People stay in marriages because they said that they would and they risk their own mental health, their happiness and their well-being to follow through on something that they said. And to me, I'm just like, isn't it much more brave to 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 end something that you know isn't right for you and quote unquote, you know, go into the unknown. And I just, that word failure is just, there's lots of ways to describe it, but I feel like that's what you had to do for yourself. It's like, here's this road, right? And I'm sure your parents or people sort of can see this of, wait, 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 you're doing all of the right things. You're making all of the right moves and you're climbing. Why would you walk away from that? And I think it is this internal feeling of, a failure to honor who you are that causes us to make big pivots. Yeah, you know, I think that there's definitely that ideology within our daily lives. We're told constantly, whether it's friends or family, about these commitments that we make. And I probably do the same thing as a parent, right? <laughs> I'm like, finish the season, you signed up. Um, and I I think that there is an element of that, right? Mm-hmm. If you do transition, transition well, transition professionally, hand over your work, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do think that there's ways in which we can, um, even through divorce, as you mentioned, right? We There's ways that we can handle that in a mature manner. There's ways that we can handle that so it's not as detrimental to both parties. Um, same with our work relationships. But I, I do think that there's this element that we're only given this one very, very small existence in this life. Our days are numbered and we're all aware of that. You know, death is inevitable, at least in 2023. And so you really do have to think of how you're living your life. And there's some elements of sacrifice in everything you do, even when you're following a career path you love. It's not that there's these everyday rainbows and moments of bliss and everything's perfect and goes your way. There's still some struggle. There's still some sacrifice. There's definitely hard work in anything you do. Um, But do you feel fulfilled at the end of the day? Do you feel accomplished in what you do at the end of the day? And if that's the case, no matter what career you're in, that's probably a good path for you. But it's right. kind of getting to that point where we have to sit back and assess our lives. And if you don't, if you come home, you feel unfilled and miserable every day. Um, or, you know, again, that that sort of endless stream of habit, like I'm just getting up and I'm going through the habits every day, but I don't feel the accomplishments from it. I'm not feeling like I'm reaping the benefits from it. And I think that's the moment where you have to do that self-assessment. Yeah. And it's, you know, when people talk to me or reach out and like, I'm looking for my purpose and all these things. And I have to remind folks that 
just when you find your purpose doesn't mean it's always going to be your purpose. And when you talk about, you know, living a life that you were sort of meant to be inspired by, the journey never ends. And I think people are sort of looking for this, oh, once I get there, everything that's like, I have, I've been there. I started a nonprofit when I was 27. And when I started it, I'm like, oh my God, I found the thing I'll do for the rest of my life. I found my purpose. And over time that changed, that evolved, and it was time to go do something else. Then I went and did something else. And then I sold that and it's time to do something else. It's just this never ending journey. And what you said, Jennifer, about, you know, most of the days when people talk about, I want to do this, I'm like, okay, opening a coffee shop or, you know, picking one thing to do, you have to enjoy the process. What is your day to day going to look like? And it can be really easy to think about the glory at the end of it or when everything is going great. But on a day to day basis, are you in the coffee shop at 4 a.m. getting it ready? Are you handling inventory? Like that's the process of operating a, a, a coffee shop. And if you don't enjoy that, maybe that's not the right path for you. Because to your point, it's not all rainbows and, and unicorns. And the work, even though it's difficult and arduous at times, has to be rewarding enough to make it worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. And you made a great point in that it really is a journey. I remember the one thing my mom just stuck in my brain is she would always say, I'd say, oh, how do you like being a lawyer? And she would say, oh, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up yet. And so she would try different things. She went to film school. She made a documentary film. She learned to sculpt. She did sculptures. There was always these outside avenues. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this quit your job and go do something else, right? There are passions that we can explore along the journey. And we can continue to live by that saying, like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I grow up yet. I still have some growing to do as a human. Um, this might be what I do now. It might transition as I get older into what that purpose is. And so it doesn't have to be this end all of finding your purpose. It can be a journey of living a purposeful life. Yeah, exactly. And I and I and I just love that there are different seasons for things. Uh, you know, one one of my mentors gave me the advice and and I'm not a mom, but you'll get what I mean when I say this because there you are. And he's like, you know, I was trying to do multiple things at once. And he's like, Anne, you can be mom of the year and you can be CEO of the year, but you just can't be those things in the same year. And what he was getting at is like, you have to kind of pick and choose, of course, where you're going to focus your time and energy. And if you're going to be all in on that, it probably is going to mean that there is sacrifice in other areas of the life. And you got to just be okay with some of that stuff. And just like, you know, other and those priorities don't have to stay the same in the amount of time that we're given here. But it's just realizing we can't push everything forward at once and figuring out what those priorities are. And also, I think giving myself grace, speaking to myself with my own advice here of knowing that it's okay when those priorities change and gosh, Jennifer, at the end of the day, isn't that what growth is? And I think if you ask so many people, do they want to grow? I say this a lot on the podcast. Do you want to grow? Everybody, not everybody, but 99% like, yeah, I want to grow. Well, what growth is, is letting go. It's uncomfortable. It's uncertain. It is, you know, all kinds of ping pong in your head of like shedding your skin and like trying to hold on to it at the same time. It's probably the you know, one of the most emotionally uncomfortable experiences that you go through uh, is growth. 
right? I think of that all the time. I mean, even if you look back at your youth and the growing pains that we have, so the actual physical pains yeah, growing, it's not a comfortable thing to get to that next level or to transform into something else. Um, you might lose friends, right? We might have emotional growth that we have to go to to be able to process. We might have to become a different person to be able to manage the new things that we're going to have to manage. Um, and so it's understanding that, I think, giving yourself grace to do that and to not have it all figured out. I think a lot of people want to make a transformation in their life and they have like a full blueprint of how that's going to look. And that's a great thing right? Planning, creating your business plan, doing all of that is really great. But you have to be able to pivot and you have to understand that life is going to be a continuous journey of pivots, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, the beginning of yours. And, you know, for, for people listening, I know that there are so many of you guys listening who are like, oh my God, that's exactly where I am. And we all fall into these societal norms and ladders and timelines and we feel these pressures from society, from our families, from the news, you name it, on where we're supposed to be based off of being a 25-year-old or the degree that we have. And it can feel really uncomfortable. So what's your kind of first piece of advice, Jennifer, for someone who is, is there, but they don't really know, they're uncomfortable with their life, they're not happy, and they don't really kind of know what the first step is to get to this point where they are excited about the day-to-day -day life that they're living. Yeah, I think if you, at least if you've gotten to the point where you've decided this is a journey I want to take, right? This is a skill I want to explore. This is a business I want to start. I think the first key thing is just know you don't have to do it all at once all the time. So a lot of people, at least when they used to come to me, even as a lawyer for that type of advice, they would say, oh, but if I quit my job and I go all in and then how am I going to pay for these things? There are elements you might have to work harder, but so a lot of people more, work more than one job. While you're building a business, you can still be maintaining your employment or handling your day-to-day -day bills or going about your normal habits and then adding those other things onto the side and starting small. The other thing I would say is, especially if you're going into a startup realm, in terms of what you're doing is the team around you is vital. So the people that you surround yourself in the beginning can really make a difference, both in how you believe you can succeed, right? And the support you have, um, but also dealing with like-minded individuals. Are we evenly yoked? Do we have the same mission going forward? Are we compatible in how we work? Because startups really have a lot of people wearing a lot of hats. So. There's not always a clear, hey, I'm the secretary or I run the shop and I manage the day-to-day -day, or I work as a sales staff. A lot of that crosses over and you end up doing more jobs than you think you would because you're doing a startup. And even as a solo practice, right, you're going to wear all the hats. So if it's not a person that you're partnering with, then be cognizant of your outside vendors and partners as well, right? Are they acting with good faith? Are they good people that you'd want to hang around with? Um, because that eliminates, I think, a lot of the road bumps in the beginning and having that good support system, especially as you're going to face pitfalls. We all do. Um, it's a learning process. And if you're going into a completely new field, it's going to be a learning process. Then that's going to be my first key step. The other one would say that, you know, it really begins with your network around you. So your ability to create connections. 
um, to build teams, to um, utilize your network. And I've had people come to me and say, I don't have a network, right? I'm going into this new venture. I don't know anybody who does that. And there's so many people that we can learn from, even if they're not in the same area of work as us. We can learn management skills from anybody who manages, even if it's your local store or bookshop. We can learn um, sales skills from anybody who sells, right? So there's a lot of people, I think, within our friends and network that we can use as mentors and guides to help us get along the way. And it's helpful because a lot of times we can only see the five steps in front of us and somebody who's already been down that path can see 15. And they can help us like get to that 15 when we're just focused on the five in front of us. So those, I think are the first two um, pieces of advice that I can think of for somebody who's really just breaking away in the beginning is, you know, realize you don't have to do it all at once. We can't take steps. There's a lot of great resources online. We uh, live in an amazing digital age where you can learn things off YouTube about business. You can, there's so many legal guides and helps with how to do formations. And there's so many people, I think, in our community and friends and family that we can go to and reach out to for support and guidance as we make that transition into what we want to do. Yeah, um, and t totally. I think for anybody, again, looking if they wanted to leave their life and start the, the startup thing to add to what Jennifer was saying, which I agree with, part of it is mind. I mean, I don't know how much you agree with this, but I think so much of it is just mindset and expectations. I see people get into major trouble there on like, I'm like, well, your expectations were, you know, were wrong about what it was supposed to look like, right? Like there's not one person, an entrepreneur out there that when they started their business or when they started something, had it all figured out. You, it, it, So much of it is about your own trust and your own ability to be able to figure it out when you come across something that you don't know. And I tell people like, people like oh, can anybody be an entrepreneur? And I'm like, Honestly, no. And it's not because why the reason you might think it is. If you don't handle stress well and you don't handle problems well, and I think giving your own examples of that in your own life, if when uncertainty comes your way, you panic and your first response is to want to go underneath the covers, like that's what business frankly is. And it's a lot of what entrepreneurship is because there's so much that Frankly, I think if entrepreneurs know sometimes the work that's ahead of them, you wouldn't do it. But but it's the naivete and the excitement and the passion and the trust in your ability to know that you can and you will figure it out that really makes the difference of people who, you know, end up successful or not. I agree. I think a lot of times too, we look at these quote unquote overnight successes and we're like, oh, look, they were nobody and then they were somebody, right? They had nothing and then they created this um, this app in their garage. Uh, and yes, that happens to the extent the app might have been in their garage. But if you really do research on a lot of these people that we admire, we look at their journeys, they might have had a lot of failed businesses or apps or software beforehand. Um, to reach the point that they've reached in success, we do have to go through failures. Not everything's going to work out. Not everything's going to be an easy journey. Um, even in my own with fashion, I knew nothing. So I had to learn with my brother in a showroom. We started the company in South Africa where we hired seamstresses and tailors to sit with us and really teach us about the craft. And that was over a six-year process of starting from a rail outside at like a flea market where we would go and take our stuff and be like, hey, that looks really cool. What do you think? 
Um, and then that rail at the time when we were in South Africa ended up within like five stores and uh, culminated in five stores in about six years. But it was a process of really learning from the ground up, learning production, being inside manufacturers, learning the pitfalls. Um, and it's not the easiest way to learn like that through apprenticeship, but it's definitely something that I think even when you go through formal training at some point in your career, everybody's going to have some of those similar pitfalls, right? The orders aren't going to go right. You're going to have financial losses. You might produce something um, that doesn't sell. And then for us, our all of our fashion is based on storytelling. So there's an element of research. We spend about six months to four years researching ancient civilizations, very nerdy, but we love it, um, graphic writing systems, cultures from around the world. And then we distill that into um, a narrative and that narrative into clothing. And not everybody's going to agree with your summary of your narrative, right? Not everybody's going to agree with uh, your perspective as you're telling those stories. And so you have to be ready for, I think, all of those those shifts and um, and all of those obstacles that you're going to hit along the way. It might not all be glamorous. It might start out, you know, in a <laughs> eight square foot space that you can, you know, sit in your little office and you're pounding out a lot of work or in a garage or in a friend's basement. And it might take some years before it gets off the ground. And then to everybody else, it looks like an overnight success. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of work that goes behind that. Yeah. And I think that's so important because it really is, especially in the day and age where we live in and people's attention span is continuing to decrease. And you hear, right, that's what makes the news, right, is you hear about these, oh, this happened overnight, this whatever, this YouTuber makes X. And it's a lot of these anomalies in and actually how long business takes to be successful. Uh, I was in an accident four years, a little over four years ago, a jet ski accident um, that that I should have lost my leg, if not my life. And I think back to how quick, like accidents like that happen in a millisecond, right? And it can completely change the trajectory and make your life a whole lot harder and knock you back if you look at it that way, so many squares. And success and building something is the opposite. It is a slow almost indiscernible kind of every day. And then it's like, okay, after a year, oh my gosh, look where we are. It's it's the exact opposite of something being able to be taken away from you, which can happen so quickly. And I think going back to what we said earlier of really enjoying the process, you know, like I'm not a big fan of, of managing people. Like it's not something I enjoy doing. I don't think I'm particularly great at it. Um, and so I have to be sure in stages of my career that I have other people who are really good at it, who frankly are high performing that can handle, you know, that side um, of the business so I can just, you know, on other things. But uh, solid core, your business. I mean, if you guys missed it, Jennifer said sometimes it takes six months to four years for them to develop their story on something they're creating. Most things do not happen you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, they are years in the making. Uh, and you, if you don't enjoy, again, the process along the way, you're going to be miserable or the thing isn't going to get to where you want it to get to. Yeah, I definitely think you make a strong point there, especially in terms of the slow grind. It's going to be that, especially with the startup. Um, we hit those moments where there'll be a sprint or a big trajectory and you might level up really quick. 
but there's always those those long things in between. And we always feel, um, we joke, my brother and I, we say that if we start to feel comfortable in what we're doing, like lazy and comfortable, we're not doing it right. So if we're feeling anxious when something's coming up or we're about to release a co collection or we're um, opening a new store, if we're doing those sort of things, like there should be a feeling of tension. If everything feels too calm and comfortable, then we're not pushing the limits. We're not doing the best we could do. Um, we're not putting our all into it. And so we've gotten used to um, and started to accept that feeling of um, uncomfortableness and anxiety as you lead up to, you know, your next biz, big thing. And there's there's one of those things again where I agree. A like a health, there is a such thing as a healthy amount of stress and anxiety and excitement. And then there's to the point where it's paralyzing and you know bad for your health. And it goes back to that thin gray line. You know, again, solid for any workout class that I go to or a part of. We want you to push to the point where you're uncomfortable but not unsafe. And yeah. that is very blurry. All of these lines are very blurry to know where to tow. And, you know, it's sort of, oh gosh, I, I go, if you go skiing every single weekend, but you've never fallen down, maybe it's time for you to go on the blacks. So you, so you know that you've got to do something differently. And if you fell down, you know, you're, you're pushing yourself, but you don't want to go helicoptering skiing yet because yeah. that's dangerous. Again, it's just like, and, I, and that just comes down to intuition and knowing. And I think probably, Jennifer, over the course of the years you've been in business now, realizing when something is like good anxious and good stress versus something is wrong and we need to pivot and change. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think, um, gosh, I don't, I would love to say that I have an amazing gauge on that in my personal part. <laughs> I think that's something I'm still navigating um, of when it is, but I have an insurmountable amount of faith and it's probably not, um, I can't even say it's the right amount to have, but maybe it's one of those things about being an entrepreneur. You have to have a belief, I think, in what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish that even with the stress that somehow things will come together if you keep putting in what you can. I know if I give 100% and it doesn't succeed, then it wasn't meant to succeed. And if I give 100% and it does succeed, well, then that was the place I was supposed to be. So there's a calming in that for me, yeah. like that process of analyzing everything. I'm like, can have I done if I'm faced with a problem, right? So um, I guess a, a good example is I am running off tonight at 3 a.m. to MBA Con in Las Vegas, where our brand was selected to present and to be one of the brands that's at MBA Con. So we're headed out there. It was a last minute kind of decision. We're breaking down the showrooms. Everything's chaotic around me right now. Um, and one part of me would be like, ah, how are we going to pull all this off? We've had about a week to prepare everything, get stock from our distributors, get a whole pop-up store out there um, for this event. And so there's a lot of things like that that are constantly going through my head. But if I'm taking every single moment to have I done all the logistics that I can do? Have I reached out to all my vendors that I can reach out to to try and get things coordinated? Is my team working as seamlessly as possible? And are we utilizing the hours that we have? If we get there and it's not 100% how we envision it to be, okay, it's going to be what it is and what it is is what it's meant to be. And so I have a sense that keeps me calm through the chaos, even when everything's moving around me or I'm working on 
three or four hours of sleep yeah. um, just to know that it, w- it will work out in some way, in some fashion. It might not be exactly how you first like saw it in your head, but it's going to be sometimes it's even better, right? Sometimes the things that we pull off last minute end up being um, beyond our expectations or beyond anybody else's expectations. So I just try and gauge it on have I put in all my effort? Have I crossed off everything that I can do on my list? And at some point, then you have to just leave it up to life and fate and time. Yeah. And and again, love that. My boyfriend always says, you know, he's like, Anne, Anne will always figure out a way to make it a win for herself. And I'm like, absolutely. Because that right there is a superpower. And that's called perspective. Yeah. We can either choose to look at our life and like, oh, gosh, that happened. And you can take the negative road. And that's option is there for anybody with any circumstance or, and what you said earlier, Jennifer, is if you put all of it in or you trust your intuition and it works out a certain way, you are going to step into your faith and be like, that's the way it was supposed to. There's a lesson for me to learn here. There's something for me to to be grateful for here and take as the lesson into the next thing. Or again, people can let themselves see something that maybe didn't go the way as planned as again, quote unquote, a failure and it paralyzes and drowns them and they never get out from under it. And I, I tell people this all the time, guys, like it doesn't, it, you, you have to decide on what perspective you want to look at life. And that is also a massive difference in people who choose to be happy and who are successful because they'll take the information and use it in a way that's going to empower them and, you know, help them make the next decision instead of letting them crush them. I think another point is perspective doesn't just impact what we view as a success or or a failure, but it definitely impacts what other people view as our successes and failures. So when we go into something believing we've succeeded, right, believing that we've at least accomplished what we want to accomplish or we've taken away something of value, even if it's from a failure, because we can learn from those. Right. So we've taken away something of value. That energy translates, I think, to the people around you, too. And so you never know who then might be like, wow, I love the way they dealt with that situation. Yeah. Company really knows how to shift when times are tough. That CEO really knows how to, you know, win even when they're up against the wire. And that perspective can really help catapult us just even with the network around us into other opportunities, um, into, you know, greater connections that we have for our business, all because of the way that we take failure and the way that we move through it. Right. So I try and think of that. What's the worst thing that could happen scenario every time things are really hectic and crazy. And that's even when we've, you know, had to close doors or, you know, your lease is up and you didn't realize you're going to have to move your whole office and you're not sure where the whole team's going to go. And so I think there's, those things that happen. Um, We've had manufacturers lose entire orders (laughs) replaced. Then you you lose like a year's worth of design and you're starting from scratch. Yeah. Sometimes that starting from scratch helps you say, okay, let's take a second look at how we are constructing things. Let's take a second look of if we want really wanted to use that design. And sometimes a product that comes might be later, but it's even better than what you had originally intended, intended. And it's all that perspective of looking at it and looking at how do we shift or how do we view what we've done. Right. And perspective. And then again, I think failure comes like people, people. And again, it's easy to understand why we're afraid of failure, failure is rejection and, and those things can weigh on us. But I really have just settled into the notion of 
again, the only failure you really need to worry about is failure to honor yourself and disappoint yourself. Like we can't control if we disappoint people. I think back to, you know, my days at Solid Four when people were, you know, a moment when several people weren't happy with my leadership for reasons that I, I frankly just didn't agree with. And I thought they were, that's uh, like, you, those are your expectations that you have of a female leader that I never agreed to. And you wanted me to be a certain way, but there's not, I never made a commitment or a promise to that. And those are your disappointments and expectations that you put on somebody else. And like, I'm like, I won't take that disappointment. I will not, I will not apologize for your own expectations of who you thought I was going to be when I never made that promise to you. So it was just like this reminder to me because when someone's disappointed in us, particularly as women, Jennifer, we can feel the first reaction to say, oh my God, I'm so sorry, right? We, we, we at least I was sort of taught and saw that women are very accommodating and we don't want to disappoint and we are here to serve and make sure that everybody is happy and likes us. Um, and I think that can be really difficult for women leaders when we feel like we're letting other people down at the expense of ourselves. Yeah, it's not um, it's not easy. I think I, I still battle with those things as well. Um, I have a crazy, you know, feeling of responsibility to my team and those around me to meet the expectations yeah. of others. Um, and so that's one that I I am always analyzing in terms of what are healthy expectations that I'm OK with meeting? What are things that I agreed to do in the beginning that I definitely want to fulfill? And if I don't fulfill, then I can take responsibility for that. Yeah. And things that other people are placing on me um, that aren't necessarily helpful for my life or for, you know, my company. Right. Why do I feel the need to to fulfill those? Right. So it's it's not easy. There's not I wish I could say that there is this beautifully paved road, especially I think for women in leadership. Um it's not. There's definitely, I mean, I work globally and I have throughout my entire career. So those expectations even change as you're working in different countries um, and if as you're dealing with different cultural norms. And so trying to find that balance between maintaining what's considered professionalism from a societal standpoint, as well as um, maintaining a strong and assertive stance on the direction that you're trying to take a company is right. it's challenging. And guys, and bring up that point, because if if our point of this podcast is talking about a life that you're inspired by, usually that is stepping into either our, our, our own power. And it means that the life that you're living now, someone is satisfied with that because it's benefiting somebody else. And if we're going to step away from that, we have to get comfortable with people being disappointed in our choices to honor what we feel is the best for us. And, you know, I encourage everybody out there to frankly, especially if you're a woman in my mind, and I shouldn't even say that because men have their own pressures too about certain gender and societal norms, but like start talking to some people about it because it's, that is one of the things I have found that people feel very similarly about of why we do or don't do things. Um, and it's because a lot of it is usually around what we think other people are going to think of us or that we're gonna let down other people. And you can't change your life and not let down some people, like they're two of the same. Yeah, I think even in that first leap, right? Even in making a transition, that's an exercise that goes through our head. There's definitely gonna be bosses or family members or other people's expectations that you're letting down as you're transitioning into something new. 
Um, I experienced that firsthand from close family, <laughs> uh, my previous spouse, you know, all sorts yeah. of, um, I think, shifts in terms of I had a strong sense of what I wanted to accomplish and what I wanted to do. And it took other people uh, some time to get around to that. And some do come around, right? Right. Uh, some people in your life, once they start seeing you happy, once they start seeing you um, doing something that you enjoy, or once they start seeing you succeed in those things, you know, it just might be a slower journey for them to get there. So we shouldn't hold ourselves back just because they don't have the sight in the beginning, right? It's your vision. So you have to walk by your vision and you can't expect other people to see it, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I know we didn't get to talk too much um, about your business, but I want to know where people can tell us a little bit more about that as we wrap up here, Jennifer, and also where people can learn more about that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, you can definitely learn more on our website, which is unknownunion.com. Um, our brand is built around storytelling, which I believe I mentioned a little bit earlier. So for us, we believe that everybody comes from a culture, a people or perspective that has contributed something amazing to sort of our global human history. And our goal is to share those stories from around the world. So we bounce around the world. We research different cultures, ideas, philosophers, and we look at, I think, life and uh, the human experience. So what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to connect? What, it mean, what does it mean to have relationships with others? Um, how do we look on our past history? And it's, it's kind of bringing more ideas into that framework versus one perspective or just a Western perspective that we're often taught in schools is very limited. So it's for us, it's fashion is a way for people to connect to those stories and then connect to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a brand that I think it, I call it the cliff notes for our brand, but it's called Foreign. And the tagline is everything is foreign until it's familiar. And I love that, I think, in terms of the ethos of a brand, our brand as a whole, because that's the goal. It's like, how do we find our commonalities between people and how do we connect to people? And for us, it's through storytelling and through fashion. So that's what we do. Um, you can see a number of the stories that we tell now on our website, as well as how we translate those into the pieces that people wear. We collaborate with artists and writers and poets um, as well as our own history and research that we do as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's, um, it, it's been awesome to talk to you and thanks for sharing part of the journey. Again, I think this conversation, there's so many people who want to make changes in their life and we get stuck. Um, and we, again, just, I'm not really sure how to do it or if it's even the right thing or is it stupid to do it? And so I love when people, you know, come on the, uh, on these podcasts and talk about how different their life once was and making the adjustments and changes for to, to again to honor yourself your happiness and your sense of drive toward fulfillment um so thanks for inspiring everybody today problem i'd say if i had to leave anybody with anything it's that you know be authentic to who you are um whether that's in your business and what you do or the type of work that you want to do it definitely resonates i think for success and it resonates for being more purposeful in your life yeah, totally. And it's also really hard not to be authentic at some point that catches up with you and drain you. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, amazing. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And uh, where people can find it, unknownunion.com? Yes. Or okay. unknownunion on Instagram. On Instagram. Okay, awesome. Well, best of luck in Vegas tomorrow. Appreciate it. Of course. Take care. 
Hey, everyone. If you are loving these how-to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate you to follow, rate, and review. It helps us get these podcasts out to more people who are looking for these actionable items on how to make real progress in their life. Thank you so much. You know I appreciate you.